Well, happy Wednesday to you all. So you might know this, but there are few things more sacred or more serious in this life than a pinky promise with your daughter. And my daughters actually have a new version where it's called a pinky thumb power promise. You got to do the hands. But anyone who has locked pinkies and locked eyes with a child knows there's no going back. Pinky promises are an intimate agreement between two people. But as you know, not all pinky promises are the same. Uh, One between the sisters is different, less important than one made with me. Am I right? And if I make a promise to read the girls a book, you know, they're excited, that's happy. But if I make a promise to take them to get ice cream, then it's serious business. You see, some pinky promises are greater than others because of the person making it, but especially because of the promise being made. And in Hebrews 8, we learn about the greatest pinky promise ever made. Of course, the writer doesn't call it that. He calls it a covenant. Here he tells us that Jesus brings a new covenant with a better promise. So far in our mornings uh, together, we've learned that Jesus is a better priest. This is where the writer starts in verse 1, as you can see. Verse 1 of chapter 8, he says the whole point he's been trying to get at is that Jesus is a better priest. And in the following verses, he's going to build on this idea because the priest provides a ministry. He's doing something, something to offer. And in verse 6, we find what it is, what he's ministering, what he's serving, what he's mediating. And this is the key verse here in 6, because in it we see that Jesus's ministry is to mediate a better covenant. And this covenant is better precisely because it authorizes a better promise. But before we get to the promise, what's a covenant? Uh, You know, we we often relate it to a contract, which is correct, right? Promises between two parties, two two, uh, two parties who make promises to one another, but a contract's lifeless, inadequate. It's it's just impersonal. A covenant is an intimate agreement between two parties, relational, secure. In other words, a pinky promise. Now, of course, it begs the question, if Jesus brings a better covenant, what was wrong with the first one? Verses 7 and 13 both direct us in this thought. The writer tells us that this first covenant wasn't complete. In fact, the first covenant we find in 13 is obsolete when compared to the second. And now it's not that God made some mistake before you start going down that trail. That's not what he's saying. I think it's more like the difference between dating and being married. Okay, so when Sarah Beth and I were dating, we had a type of covenant together, didn't we? A promise of exclusivity and care for one another. But when we got married, that old dating covenant was obsolete. Now, we can talk about continuing to date your spouse, but that's something else. What we're talking about here is that old covenant of dating is obsolete. It wasn't bad. It wasn't wrong. It served its purpose. But it couldn't compare to the greater promise of marriage. For marriage is a greater covenant than dating ever could be because it enacts a better promise. And so the writer turns to the prophet Jeremiah in what follows. Jeremiah contrasts the old covenant with the new covenant to come. A covenant that would come well after his time through Jesus Christ. And here in chapter 8, 
friends, here in chapter 8 is the longest Old Testament quotation in the New Testament. The longest one. You see, long ago, God made a covenant with Israel's fathers. However, their fathers didn't keep to the statutes of the law. And so God showed no concern for them. He turned his face from them. They turned from the covenant they had made with God. And yet, in verse 10, we find the hope of a new covenant, a new contract, a new pinky promise. One that will come after many days, but one that we know now. And here, the writer, citing Jeremiah, identifies three promises. Three promises that are greater than anything that had ever been known. Three promises which prove a better covenant mediated by a better priest. First, God's law will be in his people's minds and hearts. In times of old, God wrote his law on tablets of stone, did he not? But with this new covenant, there is a fundamental difference from the old. For the Lord himself promises to write his law on the minds and hearts of his people. And this isn't just you and me individually. He's talking about us as a whole people. I will be their God and they will be my people. A whole people who serve and worship God together. And just think about this internalization of God's word that he's pointing at. It is a profound transformation and new creation that is now made possible. A new people with new hearts, where the hearts of stone have been replaced with hearts of flesh. A changed mind. That's like a renewed imagination to see all the world through the reality of God and the lens of Scripture. And a new heart to reorient your will and your emotions to desire the things God desires. All that we may walk in obedience rather than rebellion. Now, this isn't to diminish or eliminate the struggle with sin, but to promise a better future. You don't have to be bound by sin but you have been freed from its bondage to follow the Lord. Do you want to be made new? It's not just possible, it's promised. Of course, it's not automatic. We've got to put in the work to know God's word and to mediate on it, but no longer will it bounce off hearts of stone. But your new heart will, be, will receive and be transformed by God's word. Second, personal fellowship with God is possible. In verse 11, to know God hints at a very intimate thing. On the one hand, every Israelite knew God because they heard his law and his works throughout history. But all too frequently, you would hear each successive generation lose the knowledge of God, this intimate relationship with God. But now, the ones who have a new heart have new access. God can be known, not as some you know, distant deity or historical figure, but as a caring father and personal experience. Every believer is now able to approach God with confidence through the high priest who mediates the covenant. And this knowledge of God, notice it breaks down every barrier. It's the last, the last phrase of this verse. The emphasis that he will be known from the least to the greatest. Everyone, everywhere has this opportunity. But also it reveals that the true Christian community is to be a people who stand on level ground before God. Because everyone stands at the foot of the cross. There's no class distinction. There aren't some who have access to God while others don't. 
personal relationship with God is possible for everyone. And so everyone is to be treated with dignity and respect. And then third and finally, forgiveness is complete. Lastly, in verse 12, we are shown the very character of God. For God promises to be merciful, to remember our sins no more. Friends, this is the very hope of the gospel. God is saying, I'm, not, I'm going to be faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. No longer must continual sacrifices of sin be made to cover you, to make you right with God. For if we sin, we have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who himself atoned for sin once and for all. This is the new covenant. And for those who trust in Christ, know that God has made a covenant with you, a promise to forgive you, and that forgiveness is complete. God has bound himself to you, wrapped himself up with you. It's the safest, most intimate promise you will ever know. The most freeing, most comforting thing you can experience. We have three promises of a better covenant. Promises of a new heart, a relationship with God, and complete forgiveness. What a great promise. What a great assurance. It's an assurance that can lift us each day before seven to get us going on the road when we feel down, when we feel lost. It's an assurance that tells us we are not alone, for we belong to God, body and soul. We can know him just as he knows and cares for us. An assurance that spurs us on to love and good deeds. That from a new heart and a new mind, we might be able to follow God in obedience each and every day. This is the new covenant, friends. Please pray with me. Father, your, your promise is one that is, <laughs> is great and often difficult to comprehend. Your mercy to us is unimaginable. We ask that we might know your mercy each and every day. It might motivate us and animate us to not only be able to live in this world, but more importantly, to know your very character. That our knowledge of you comes from your great mercy toward us. So do a new work in us by your new covenant, strengthening and propelling us this day. In Christ I pray. Amen.